Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. Online submissions and correspondences. Mm-hmm. Now this sounds like a such a basic topic, but as film and television has already returned, and uh, as me and Danielle were talking about before we started recording, online submissions is not new to the theater world. We've had them for years, in particular with younger audiences, but yeah. self-tapes and video submissions, they're, they're not new. They're just not. I recently worked on a project where we had tons of video submissions. Danielle's currently working on a project where they've had some video submissions. Mm-hmm. And some of these just responses back and forth have brought forth this episode. So we thought, why not? You know, I get it, right? Like everyone's been inside, it's quarantine, even though like certain states are doing better than others and people are like a little more quote unquote normal. Like I definitely feel like my life is like a little more normal. It's still like, you know, like it's so quarantine. But at the same time, I'm like, listen, quarantine is not an excuse for you to be wild and do the most on your submissions because oh yeah, we're especially in where we're, where we're seeing like, voiceovers and film and television like work is back and it's only gonna you know like knock on wood and like pray to everything that like as long as there's not a shutdown like it's just gonna get bigger Mm -hmm. and it's one of those things of like I do appreciate the the validity of these because again it's how you find talent that's not in a major city You know, or even if you do have talent that's in a major city, it's how you find talent that's working or, you know, with everyone. And you know, it's like, it's what the whole industry has turned into during COVID, right? It's like, there's no more in-person auditions. Like I've seen some that are doing live Zoom auditions and others are, the majority of them are self-tapes, at least for the first round. And so I think that like, Mm -hmm. As we continue into 2021, I think we're going to see a, I think we're going to see the majority of our auditions, even when theater comes back, I think we're going to see the majority of our, of our auditions stay remote for a while. Like I honestly could see being a thing that like, unless it's the final, final callback of like a big project, all your stuff is going to be self-submissions or like live Zoom auditions until... Mm -hmm. 2022 because I just think that that's a huge thing where it's like you're not actually working yet you don't you can't actually have all your like set precautions and things in place Mm -hmm. and so it's easier to just do it online and what I think we should also talk about like the original setup to why these kind of became as big of a thing as they did a lot of directors and producers and creative team members are are successful in working on multiple projects. So it is not uncommon for um, a friend of mine worked with Debbie Allen on a, Debbie Allen was choreographing like the Christmas special at at Universal one year, but Debbie Allen lives in California and the Christmas special at Universal was in, in Florida. So she sent her like assistants to like run the auditions and use some people, some local people in Florida, but she was on camera like Zoom watching it zoom Zoom. Uh, not zoom it was uh skype uh she was on skype watching the auditions you know or i've gone to auditions myself where 
that first round, it's literally like the assistant director, mm-hmm. or maybe I, maybe I'll have the MD, but like I won't have everyone in the room. They're like, oh, we're recording your audition so we can play it later. So I was just gonna say that I've definitely been to so many of those where, and I've been part of them where like, oh, we'll record your audition. Even when, so um, even when we have uh, semester auditions for Broadway Youth Ensemble, which we do like once in the fall and usually once in the spring, where our our first like the first level is you must submit a video for that's like our pre-screen yep. and then after that we usually invite you in and if we even if we invite you in we record because usually not everyone can be in the room at the same time when the audition is happening right so depending mm-hmm. on what part of the audition they're at you know like the music director might not be there or i as the choreography choreographer excuse me wow might not be in the room so we record it so this is not this idea of like recording auditions or asking people to submit videos is definitely not new at all or I, I, there have been times where i like we want to remember them or their energy in the room and we know there's going to be a while before we actually cast things yeah or it's two days of auditions because i've had this happen or even or even it's like you know, a lot of casting directors will record depending on the project because they might know we're going to get a lot of people that come out for this and a lot of people that are probably not going to look or fit the part, but we have something else in the works. Yes, 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 yes. Or sometimes on the reverse of that, it'll be, we didn't see anyone we we needed to fit this part today. So I'm going to ask for video submissions Mm-hmm. to see if we get anything, you know, if anyone sends, sends something in that looks promising and then we'll ask them to come to callbacks. Right. And I think that that's a thing, right? So like, this has always been a thing. It's just, yes. this is going to be the thing, the yes. only thing. I personally think, you know, of course, like Broadway announced, you know, we don't, we don't record that far in advance because LOL, but so, <laughs> Broadway announced they're going to remain closed until May, May 30th. And by that, they mean no ticket sales until June 1st, which means if they do tickets, if June 1st comes and we can actually have performances, people will probably start going back to work sometime in March. However, Um, you may get those people that a lot of New Yorkers, due to mainly financial situations, left New York for cheaper pastures. And the minute like things, the minute we get the go ahead, people are gonna have to move back. So right. there's going to be about. a whole process. It's going to be the coming back. It's going to be the quarantine. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I just think that even if say, you know, say, you know, film, you know, film is, you know, film is having a stroke of good luck and Broadway does come back in June or, you know, June, July, some point during the summer, I could honestly see people being like, what's the point of doing in-person auditions until like maybe final callbacks when yes. we've been doing this and it's working and it, it's less of a crowd, right? We're not doing open calls. We're not doing these crazy crowds. So anyway, but I wanted to talk about this because as we've been kind of going on for a few minutes or so, this is definitely going to be like the new thing for a while. And by the new thing, I mean like the new, like only thing. And I have personally seen, as Tony said, like I've been working, you know, I've been working on a project and have had new auditions for BYE. Tony's been working on stuff and it's, we need to talk about how we present ourselves because now, friends, it is October and TV and film is back and voiceovers are back, even though they never yep. really went away, but they're back more. 
and yep, yep, yep. theater, you know, theater may be back in the spring or summer. So we need to talk about like how we present ourselves. So let's dive in. Resumes and opening emails are, so let's just start with resumes. Short, sweet, and to the point. I think we've talked about this slightly on some of our, on when we did our three-parter about the audition process, but if we didn't, or maybe just as a reminder, if your resume, resume, if your resume is longer than one page and requires me to have a magnifying glass, I'm not looking at it. No, it should really be, well, it should definitely only be one page, right? So it should, in America, right? A resume is our one pager. I know that in um, like England, they call their one pager is called the CV. Their resume is the long one. Ours is the opposite because. Oh course. yeah, that's true. I'm referring to the CV. I'm referring no, to the CV. But one pager. A, what, a resume should be one page and you should keep it to, I would say font 11 at the smallest. I would try, well, I guess you could, depending on the font style, you could maybe get away with 10, it right? Because some are bigger than others, but you want to try to keep it like a good, at least like a good 11. In reality, you don't want that many gigs or that much information on your resume. The resume is a highlight reel. So like, yes. I just had a lot of submissions that in particular from our younger, our younger performers, which means it's coming from mom and dad mostly, where they put everything their child has done since they came out of the womb. And so I was, I recently finished a project where I was working with 15 year olds. So I had a couple submissions from with like things on the resume when they were like two, it was like, oh, they did this Gerber commercial or this like diaper commercial. And I was like, they're 15. I don't care that they did that 15 billion years yeah. ago. So I would say, I would say that um, when looking at a resume, if it's a, someone who is now a teenager or college and maybe they did professional work when they were younger or it's someone who's an adult and did professional work when you were younger, you only keep the big things, yep. right? So like you only keep the, okay, so I'll use my brother for example, right? My brother was a child actor. He, um, you know, a couple of years ago, started getting back into acting. He's an adult now. He recently came back to New York. He worked a couple of jobs before, you know, before the shutdown. And we were redo, I was helping him to redo his resume because he wanted an extra set of eyes. And he's got a lot, he had a lot of stuff on it from a kid. So we had to go through it and we were like, okay, so like, what's important to keep? Blue's Clues is important to keep because that's a massive TV show that everyone knew about. Mm -hmm. That's important to keep because you also were like a main character for a couple of seasons. And the couple of Broadway shows are important. The off-Broadway, we can maybe put keep one on, the one that was the biggest. And the other stuff was like, you got to put your most recent, you know, you just do your most recent work because at the end of the day too, like Google's a thing, right? So I would, I would personally say, and I may be wrong, but I would personally say that if you have high touch, that's not the like right word, but I'm going to call it high touch, high touch jobs from years past that you think will stand out as someone's looking at your resume. Oh my God, they've worked on Broadway before. Oh, they've done a major television show or movie yes, before. Yes, yes, you yes. keep those no more. I would say like no more, you know, no more really than like three tops. I would keep it to like two just to show because it was a long time ago, but just to show like I have worked professionally before. Now, moms and dads out there with your little kids who did print camp, print or commercial campaigns when they were an infant 
to five years old, honestly, an infant to like seven or eight years old, that does not need to go on the resume. Thank you. Okay. A print campaign that they did when they were five doesn't need to go on. A Gerber baby commercial they did when they were one doesn't need to go on because here's why. They are not actually acting in that. They're not, or or the thing of it is, and this is what, like, for me, which is why I have such strong opinions about this, is because, like, I want to know, I know the project that I'm working on or projects I'm working on in the future, when a resume comes across my desk or my email, I have to make a snap decision. Do they have the understanding capabilities to do the projects that I'm working on? So, and again, there are some times where I'm working on projects where we want fresh talent. We want people that have never really done shows. We want, you know, you never, it changes depending on the project that you're doing, but you also may get a situation where it's like, we need someone to play the long lost daughter of the president in this television show. She's going to be in one scene. I don't have time for a rando that's never done this. Or we may have a two week turnaround on a voiceover match for a movie that's about to, that's almost done editing. So I need someone that's done voice editing that knows how to give me what I need very quickly. So I just- It's important to put those big, it's important to put those big jobs on like that, that people have done before. And because also like, I'm also thinking in terms of like, if you were really young, right? If you did a print or a commercial campaign where you were really young, or honestly, even if you were in like a movie or a TV show, but you were like, under the age of seven, seven, I don't know if I would necessarily keep all of them on your resume only because like the look is your, your look is changed. Your yes. Has changed. All of these things are different and new. So you want to keep the couple of things where people go, Ooh, this person's worked before. This person knows what they're doing. They obviously like have done it in the past, but then you got to put those things that are like, Oh, okay. They're doing some new stuff now. They were mm-hmm. wherever they were before they came to New York or LA and they've been doing work. Um, yeah. So which we kind of like just blanket resumes, because again, that is the first thing that you often send. Uh, I guess our older people send cover letters, but that's mostly on mine and Danielle's side of the table, like our choreographers and directors. And, yeah. Yeah. So we won't hit on those too much. Um, but I kind of want to talk about that opening email. So I, per again, I know that you think that you're a star and that your child is a star. And, or another great one that I've gotten before was you have to take her. I love a good demanding email, right? No, like, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm good. I well, here's the thing. Anything. You're talking to a person on the other side of these opening emails or these introductory emails so like, uh, hi, good morning, good afternoon. Those are all typical and fine. You don't have to start right off with such aggression. I also think, you know, think about your email. Someone told me this once. Think about your opening line of your email and your subject title as your interview. When you go yes. in for an in-person interview or a meeting, you want to, you know, um, present yourself, or if you're an, or if you're a parent with a child actor, whoever, present your child in a certain way, and yourself as a parent, because that's a whole thing. Yes. So when I got an email a couple of months ago that said, um, that said a star is born, I was like, 
what do you like the movie like I'm <laughs> right what is this first of all and when I opened the email and I, Tony's seen it now when I when I opened the email it was a family member of a girl wanting requesting an audition and the body of the email said something along the lines of you have to look at her she's a star and that was it and then attached was her um not headshot uh, let's call it like maybe like a pageant glamour mm, shot. it was a glamour shot <laughs> we're gonna get to that and i'm sure i don't even there must have been a resume attached or actually no i don't even think there was a resume it I was don't, like a I don't it was like a talking link, about the resume. It was like a link for her website. And honestly, like websites were a thing at one point and they like kind of still exist. But I want to see your resume and I want to see your headshot. And I'm and I like saw that and I'll be very honest. Like, you know, this is a very quick moving industry and you are you are judged. At the end of the day, like yes, you can like you say are. that that's terrible, but like a huge part of this industry is like you are judged. So when I see an email that says she's a star, you have to have her, I'm already turned off because I don't know who she is. I've learned nothing about her. And yeah. you're just telling me she's this amazing thing. And even though she is, I'm still kind of like, who are you to tell me what I have to do? And that's what it's like. I, I, I agree with you. Like that opening statement, your again, your subject line and your opening line of your email. Like if I'm getting... If I'm getting confusion and aggression, I already go, I either don't want to work with the child or I don't want to work with the parent. And most of the time, unfortunately, and I think we talked about this before, but most of the time, unfortunately, it is the, it's the parent I don't want to work with, yep. right? The child can be amazing, but you know, when you're working with kids and Tony and I bring this up a lot because we both work with kids a lot. When you, when you're working with kids and you're working in a situation where these, you know, parents and kids want to be professional and yep. work professionally, you really have to, I mean, I have so many stories from growing up about the way that parents perceive themselves or, and it, it really will affect your child's career and chances at things. And you can sit there and say it's unfair, but it's true. And so, I but like. And I'm, yeah. I agree with Danielle, because like the thing that I think about, I don't even go to the unfair part. I go as because this I have I can tell you know I purposely not cash children because their parents are nightmares and I'm talking about stupendous yeah. talent children I'm talking about children that even have Broadway credits oh yeah but I was not in a situation where I could send I could kick their parents out of the room so that is why I definitely had to make hard choices but it's one of those things of I had this one parent that's called her Barbara I don't know Barbara loved to antagonize everyone around her so it put all of the parents on edge it put all the children on edge so literally i would be in rehearsals and an argument would break out on the side of the room where the parents are sitting to the point where we had to like put the parents in a whole nother holding room and so like just little situations like that where it was just like and the minute like and at first we thought it was a, all of our parents but then we like Barb and that child was not there. So then everything was great. Everyone was relaxed, you know? And I'm like, oh, it's literally this one parent. So when it came time again to cast for a different project, I could not take that child because I could not take that parent mm -hmm. creating that firestorm in my rehearsals again, which again, it, it pulls away from the art. It pulls away from the professionalism because now we're having to go parent wrangler or the children 
are upset because their parents are upset and their parents get upset they want to start pulling children and so it creates so many problems that i'm like it may be unfair for that one child but as the director or the choreographer i have to look out for every child in the program yes so it just does not it, it's just not fair to to have that happen and so when i get an email that makes me go mm, this mom feels kind of crazy they already get tossed in the maybe pile even if the resume looks good, they already go in the maybe pile for me. Yep. All right, all my all my casting is like either yes, I want to see them again, maybe, or a complete absolute no. Right, at shame. <laughs> and so I, if I get an email from a parent that's like, you have to see them, or I, what did I get? One time it was like a time thing. It was like, oh, there are no appoint, there are no more appointments on like I think it was rehearsal auditions were on a Tuesday from like. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. and they had to sign up for slots and I got mm -hmm. like two or three aggressive people there's there are no more time slots uh well okay I don't I don't know what you want me to do because mind you time slots were 10 minutes so you guys can do the math yourself of how many children we saw in between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. when there are 10 minute time slots that's a lot of kids so I was like mm, I, I'm and I also knew some of the kids we had coming I was like I'm certain we're gonna find what we need and I was literally like we will reach out if we have any dropouts or any, you know, someone that can't make a submission or whatever the case may be. Um, right. But it's like, just, it's, a, it's, it's a real thing. I mean, I've had to do it multiple times. I had a parent where um, her daughter was insanely talented, mm -hmm. but mom was a nightmare. And she just was terrible to work with and would drop, you know, the daughter was a teenager well, preteen into a teenager, but she would like drop, you know, before she could kind of like go to rehearsal herself, mm -hmm. she would, you know, she would always drop her off late. She would complain that she needs to pick her up early. And we finally got to a point where we were like casting solos for a project we were doing. And, you know, the myself and the rest of the artistic staff sat down and we said, she would be amazing in this solo, but there's someone else who's pretty good, you know, just as good, not better, but just as good, but shows up to rehearsal on time, does all the things, and mom's not a pain in the ass to work with. So you know what? And there's this whole thing where someone said, like, it's not fair. We should not, we should not have to punish the child for the parents' mistakes. And I hear that. However, mm -hmm. when the child is too young to get themselves to rehearsal on time, to control certain avenues and certain things, and mom continues to bring her late, pick her up early, make excuses, can't do this, can't do that. Nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to hit home until something is taken away from the child. Yep. Yep. Or even then, the parent still may not learn. But it's, it's again, it's one of those, when that happens, I used to be one of those people that I would tour and like I haven't been with where Danielle was where you know we start casting a project and then someone name comes up and then we're like oh they'd be perfect and then someone undercuts and like oh but their mom oh but their dad yeah you know? and when that's the case I used to get very torn up and you know very upset by this because like oh I don't want to do that to the child they may be missing out on opportunities but then I, I, I made the mistake of letting that child into the project and I just, everyone else was miserable because again, they're late, they're not on time. Yelling about costumes, like I just, it literally just creates so many more problems that I just cannot justify it. I'm at that point in my career, I can't justify it. I agree. I so let me ask you a question. It. So 
we talked a lot about kids, right? As uh-huh. parents and kids and how do we present ourselves and why it's so important. How do you feel now about adults? People, uh, let's, let's call them post-college, right? Okay, that was my follow-up. Post-college into like now, into like our age, right? Or even older, potentially. You have better have your shit together is my response. Because, I, and I say this because Danielle and I are at, I don't want to speak for Danielle, but like I, I generally feel like we're about, we're at the spot in our careers where we've kind of created this network where, you know, we've got to get reputation among, you know, several off-Broadways and, you know, smaller regional theaters in the New York area. So like, if a name comes up to me, I'm going to ask my network of people about said name. Yep. And if I start getting crazy responses back, or not even that, most of the people in my network know me well enough to go, Tony, you don't want to work with them. And I usually go, okay, take their name off the list. And I don't question it further because a lot of the projects that me and Danielle are working on are like shotgun projects where it's like, you got two weeks and it's all, you are in front of an audience, you know, or you got like a weekend. People have people ask, you know, ask the same thing of me. Oh, yes. Danielle, didn't you work with so-and-so or don't you know so-and-so is from whatever project? How uh-huh. were they? What do, you, what do you think about them? And first impressions, again, we went back to this earlier, first impressions are a very big deal. Um, also, side note, if you're hearing things banging, it's because I'm making pie. Um, <laughs> it's one of those days, guys. It's been a week. Um, so, so yes, like that's where I'm in. So where I am, where it's just like, if I hear these type of things, it just makes me not want to work with them. And it's the same thing goes to video submissions. I worked on a project earlier this year before everything was shut down, obviously, where video submissions were all I got to see before I ended up in rehearsals with these people. And I did not get to choose my people. They were given to me one of the people did not have adequate videos. So I didn't know what kind of talent they had. I was literally like, ooh, I don't know if they're talented or not. And Tony actually, I remember this because I know you're talking about You reached out to me and because you were like, Danielle, what do you think of this person? And he showed me the video because he was like, I'm not sure what to, like what section to put her in. How how do I play my rehearsal? And I said, I know that name. I said, I know that name and I, I had never worked with her directly, but she had worked with two of my friends. So yep. I reached out to them. And again, so, super small world. Mm-hmm. And this person has been on Broadway. So like, and again, lovely to work with. I don't want to drop her name because I don't have her permission, but like she was lovely to work with. I actually ended up depending on her a lot because of the other, the other dud I got that I got no video, like submit, I got to submit a, re- a resume, but I got no video on this person. And they were a total you know, death. What happens in situations like that is, right? Like she ended up being amazing and you loved working with her. Absolutely. And you could depend on her. But from, but because it was all video submission, that's all you saw. And because you didn't have any say in who got cast, literally all you saw was the video. And it's kind of like, I don't know, because you don't know who the person is. And it, it like, it took, you know, and instead of you being able to go into rehearsal day one, ready to go, knowing you could count on her, you had to like get to know her and understand mm-hmm. and then be like, girl, 
there is no need to post that video. You are way better than that video. I literally had that conversation with her where I was like, um, you're way more talented than your video told. You need better videos because I hate. I I said I would hate to see what you're what work you're missing out on because these videos don't adequately show you, and so and that's how I feel when it comes to adults. Like especially we're in the age of like oversaturation of videos, honestly, of like TikTok and what have you. Don't like those things are great, but when you're submitting for projects, unless they ask for like social media videos, which some projects do. I've worked on a couple like that. They're not my favorite, but they do. You need to have videos prepped and ready to show yourself of work. And I will make this comment because this was the thing that I went through with the young lady that was not far more talented than our videos. She was like, she was a little bit older than Danielle and I actually. And she was like, well, when I graduated college, there wasn't videos. Like we didn't, we didn't really record videos like that. And, or even like a thing that I went through when I kind of first hit the city, I had done plenty of projects, but I did not have the recordings of those videos. I would, you know, the company would record it for archival purposes. And then they say they would send it out to us, but I never followed up with them. Or if I did follow up with them, it never got back to me. Like there's a couple pieces that are just lost in the archival ethers that I am dying to get a hold of. And I do think that that's a thing because for me, I had the same thing. I did a bunch of projects where I never received a video and I've asked mm-hmm. around to people and like nobody yep. can find a video. Mm-hmm. So I do think there was a time where it's like, yeah, videos are are more important now and they're going to become even more important as we go into probably another 12 months of online only submission. And my, my work picked up when I was able to submit the, when I was able to do, uh, projects that I could record and submit videos of my work my you know my increase my work increased tenfold you know yeah and so or it's funny enough on the a project I worked on earlier this year they were like oh we're gonna do video professional videos that you guys are gonna get but all during tech rehearsals the choreographers were standing in the back recording their videos their pieces and one of the like artistic directors like you guys know we're going to get videos we're like uh-huh but we're going to have this video that we can watch tonight <laughs> so it's, it's super important that you do again get you a tripod bring a friend along to rehearsal get you an assistant but like make sure you know ask grandma to hold the ipad up do what you got to do but make sure yeah. even if it's just a rehearsal clip you know even if it's just rehearsal footage but make sure you have video of your work because when you're submitting it, it matters. And make sure you have good, clear, clean quality. You know, like even if you record terrible videos, get you an editor, you know, find your freelance editor to do. And there's there's ways to do it without, like honestly, you can do it without the, even the ring light thing. Like- Oh, of course. I've been, during all of quarantine, like I've been helping you back to my, you know, brother, I was talking about that experience earlier, but I've been, you know, basically been his, you know, DP for all of his auditions. And it's just, yep. it just takes a few minutes. You got to move things off the wall. You reposition furniture. Oh God, yes. You move one of the lights out of the bedroom to give better lighting. Yep. But, you know, stacked it, we put the computer on a stool and stacked a b- bunch of books up. Yep. You don't need any fancy equipment, right? And but you just need to take the time to make sure that what you are using and doing is stable and set up and looks good. And I will give you a little tidbit that some people may or may not know. Most cell phones, if you pay, even at the, your cheapest companies, 
but most cell phones that you've paid a decent amount for record in 4K. And most film and television is still in HD and don't use 4K. So odds are your phone is more powerful than the television show, the cameras used for the television shows that you're watching. So put forth, take the extra 10, 20 minutes to make sure you're getting a good video because yes, true talent will shine through, but I, guys, take it from me. It's just gonna to help to have out. a good video. I was watching Again, video after video. Best foot, best foot forward. Video after video, man. And it was a, it was a time watching some of those things. But if we're, I mean, we talked about our opening emails. We have to get into also the headshots and full body shots and glamour shots with our younger kids. So first and foremost, say no to glamour shots. It's not a a thing anymore. It was for a hot second at some point, like in the nineties is definitely not a thing. So I don't want to see, and in particular, we get this a lot of times with our girls coming out of uh, dance competitions and, and pageants. I do not want to see your child with several layers of makeups and hair and things like that for a video submit or for a submission for a project. I want to see your child. So I, um, in another light, I worked at a talent agency. As an our talent manager. That was a, literally and another life ago. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember. In another life. And I wanted to be an agent. Um, and um, honestly, really liked it. I mean, I just left because I loved creating dance and also like low key, like bottom line like entry level, if you're like an assistant or an assistant to an agent, like it's going to take a long, you know, usually takes a long time for you to get to junior, junior agent. And as the jump from this monetary jump from assistant to junior agent is something wild, like 50,000. So just like, think about what type of money they offer you then as an assistant. Um, Anyway, we would get submissions, right? Uh, some would be recommendations or we would go scouting and then some would be cold submissions. And something I, you know, she told me the woman, the bot, the woman who's my boss and something I've always taken with me is if you are, when you show up to the audition or send us a video, if your picture and you in, in IRL do not look the same, we have a problem. And it becomes a really big problem when a lot of casting agencies, the first thing they'll do is look at your headshot, even when you have an agent. Okay, so this is what happens yep. for those who don't yep. know. Even when you have an agent or a manager, your agent or a manager has special access to listings of auditions that come out. Uh-huh. Sometimes, depending on relationships, a casting director will either call them specifically and say, I'm looking yes. for kids that X, Y, Z, or people that are X, Y, Z, what do you have? Some are listed on this very private, very special website. Yep. And um, casting directors and agencies want a headshot and a resume. Sometimes not even a resume. They just want the headshot. Do you look like someone you're even interested in bringing in to see if you even have any talent? Point blank. So it's a really big problem, especially if you are a professional submitting a photo of someone and then that person gets called for an audition and shows up and they don't look like the person they were told they were going to see. Yes. And the big thing that I went into, so also along with the, I know that, so one of my best friends and guests on the show, Clinton, um, has done casting 
and that was real fun like helping him with submissions and things like that um all casting directors also have their own personal database of people that they build and collect and he would often be like we're looking to we're looking for a child to match with these parents and so or you know we're trying to put a family unit together for this show or this scene or whatever and we would get all these headshots from children well from their parents that didn't look like them. It would be, we would have full, we would have like one girl, she was like eight or nine with a full on makeup palette, blush, eyelashes, foundation. Um, I mean, even as an adult, any makeup you have on in your photo should be just natural makeup. You should never look like you're wearing makeup. Um, And if you have a child who is acting, please take them to a professional photographer who does headshots, a professional headshot photographer. There's a wide range of people who offer different prices who all know exactly what casting directors and agents Mm -hmm. want. And if they feel like, oh, this kid needs a little foundation or blush or mascara because they're being washed out, let them tell you that. Do not put makeup on the child. Or, and also let's go ahead and talk about that hair don't give your child hair extensions weird haircuts weird colors if that's not what they naturally or commonly wear i won't even say if it's like their natural hair or whatever but like if you know because it it happens especially in this day and age where we have our gamut of different color hairs and whatnot if you know your child typically dyes her hair pink so the tips of her hair is always pink that's perfectly fine but don't go in in her headshot having her with platinum blonde hair yeah that's all if you dye your hair for a project or life reasons, your photos got to change. Yep. And that's hard because photos are not cheap, right? Like, and it takes a lot of time to do the photos and all this work and blah, blah, blah. But it is very true. But I, this is where I have to get on my adults. I don't even feel like I've had this big of an issue with my children submission. It's oh, no, my adult submission. I think adults, it can be worse. God, yes, it's worse. Because- <laughs> Well, because they can, you know, kids can't, kids aren't necessarily going to be like, oh, I'm going to go like dye my hair or like do something or cut it or do something crazy unless their mom or dad or who caregiver tells them will, to. Adults are like, I'm just going to do what I want. Well, I'll give you one better. I was working as an assistant choreographer on the show and the director really wanted her to be a blonde and she had dirty blonde hair. Um, she had dirty blonde hair, which was, you know, looked fine, but he was like, I would really love for it to be like, I wanted to, he wanted to go for the whole sex appeal and it worked for the show. I really want like the hot blonde girl is what he was going for. And she was like, uh, here's the deal. I normally would not have a problem, but I just dropped $600 on new headshots the day before I got on the plane to come down here. Yeah. The project finished in January, into January, February. So she was literally going to go back to New York in the middle of audition season, which is why she got the new headshots because she's like, they're literally going to be like two months old and they'll be fine. So she went to the director and said, if the conversation about dyeing my hair is not going to happen, if we're not going to compensate me for the headshots that I just took. And literally the director wanted it so much and the artistic director sat in on the conversation, agreed, 
they paid for her hair to be dyed blonde, like a professional to dye her hair blonde. And they paid her the $600 to get new headshots shot once she returned to the city. Because yeah. her whole, again, she did not look, because like I said, she was already, she um, had like blue, blue eyes. I can't remember, it's been so long. But like her whole look changed because she was now a blonde. So like that's yeah. something that you have to pay attention to. Because again, when I'm getting tons of submissions, I think I'm getting, you know, let a lot of times let's use this as an example. Annie, I don't want a wig, Annie. I want a child that is actually a redheaded little girl. Well, that was like a big, that was a big thing in on um, in the last revival, they ended up wigging her. Yeah. Uh, or did they not wig her and they just let her have brown hair? No, that's not right. That's mm, not right. I they feel like that. they wigged her. They did something. It was just a whole deal though. I remember. They, she didn't dye her hair. They wigged her because I had a student who was Molly in it. Um, and actually, and then later in life, a girl I worked with in a show was the pepper in it as well. Yeah. Um, but um, the, I remember it was a big thing because they were like, we don't want to die. We want a natural redhead. We don't want to die whatever kid that we cast. And it took them a really long time to find an Annie. And then finally they ended up casting Lila Crawford who has curly hair and, and had like a nice cute little like Annie style bob, but it's brown. Yep. And so they ended up just wigging her. But I remember this yeah. whole big thing about like, oh, we don't want to dye her hair. We want someone who's a natural. Like, why should we have to wig, wig her? And then, But also at the end of the day, like, you know, Annie's also one of those, like, yeah, there's a lot of redheads, but it's also not the most common hair. Right. But again, it also just depends on your project because like, it could some, and this sounds so dumb, but like literally we're doing, let's say we're doing a stereo commercial and the mom and dad are already cast. We had casted everyone, and at the last minute, mom had to drop out. So when mom dropped out, yeah, not mom, daughter had to drop out. So we have a whole family full of blondes, and we're randomly going to pull a girl like with different color hair. Like sometimes casting or not, even, sometimes marketing will be like, this is the image that we want for this product. So mm -hmm. we need to find this. So, like, mm -hmm. Again, and that's, I think that's the point I kind of want to drill home when it comes to these submissions. No one spends a lot of time looking at this stuff. So you got to get it right the first time because yeah. a lot of times there's not going to be a follow-up email when, you know, on that opening email, that resume, that headshot. It's just not going to happen. Because um, we are point your toes and we are all about the dancing, we should also talk about full body shots. Um mm -hmm. Not so much for our younger kids, because rarely is that a situation. Um, I like it usually if they ask for measurements or things like that, it's for something very specific. Like I'm thinking of the movie Snowpiercer, they need children of a certain height or a certain thing like yeah. that. Yeah, That's but even for even yeah, they would rather just have the headshot and then like measurements. They're not gonna ask right. for someone for a full body shot. Now I my adult dancers, yes, full body shots are a thing even sometimes our actors and our movers. Full body shots are a thing because one, Disney, because I want to blame Disney for everything, but Disney is very, and I don't know if we talked about this on the show. I think we have, but refresher. Um, Disney has very strenuous, we have talked about this on the show, very strenuous measurements for characters in the parks and on televisions and so do the Rockettes. That's how I know we talked about it because we talked about the Rockettes. So do the Rockettes. And so like, because of projects like that, 
or even like my favorite musical a chorus line you it's not so much body tights but it's like you've got to be able to fit that mold because it is a mold some shows are like that so full body shots are useful um you never want to let a full body or even headshots you never want to use a headshot or a full body shot that's older than two years really you know like i used to be a little less lenient on this and then i became a, a choreographer and a director and my opinions um, on this changed greatly and a lot of places will um do them in person oh, yeah. so again <laughs> in a different lifetime i was at a disney audition and the first thing they do is measure you um and they like let you still audition even if they know you don't fit the yeah. costume or the part Absolutely. they need but I guess it's good because again they record the audition so you're like on file but the first thing they do is measure you and then they take a full body picture of you um because mm -hmm. Disney is very strict about certain costumes and certain things like that um in so yeah usually a lot of times they'll do it in person um yes. or something I've noticed lately with auditions for things certain auditions have asked for full body shots um, during this remote time and they've been very clear casting's been very clear these should be like more quote-unquote candid shots like they're like we do not want a professional shot right. we do not want a professional like we've already seen your headshot we don't want a professional headshot yes. we don't want a professional body shot ha either take a selfie or have so like a good setup selfie or have someone take a photo of you with nice lighting. today and they, they, they like they want those photos today so we can see what you currently look like right because when they're casting it it's usually a relatively quick turnaround and i need to see what you actually look like yes that's where I, you're right about that i have kind of seen that turn where it's like can you send me like i've gotten that one before where it was like i think it was a director he was like can we ask for them to send us photo like selfies for like today so we can have an immediate photo of them that's like not a headshot um so that is also not uncommon to get that kind of response yeah. to as well um, and kind of like our last big thing that we want to talk about is the responding back and forth with within the industry period. First of all, I remember seeing this as me and Danielle were children, and I'm sure some of you vaguely remember this, where Disney Channel and ABC and all of Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, when the internet became a thing, the big message they always gave us that is the internet is forever. Be careful what you say and do. Mm -hmm. that has not changed <laughs> so a big part of like where we're at now with zoom meetings and uh, online projects everything is done via email and a lot of responding back and forth um I guess me and danielle send billions of emails a day um mm -hmm. so don't one don't lie or don't say something that you're not prepared to do because the follow-up is very quick and immediate mm -hmm. when it comes to responding back in these emails. Also, you don't know who is CC'd or BCC'd on your email. So please be mindful of this. And I oh say God. this- I had a, okay, so I had a non, this is a quick thing. I had, I don't even think I told you about this one. I had a non like dance theater world email happen like with my day job, like I teach dance, but I teach it at school. So it like was someone in like the tech department who I don't even know, like, right. Like works yeah. at the big office. Nobody knows who they are. Everyone is super unclear as to like why this happened. Some people think the person did it on purpose. This guy CC'd staff at, and then our email address and every single person who works at the company 
got CC'd on the email. Oh, he hit a button. He like, hit a button. You know, most, most people were like deleted it or like, oh, I think you sent this to the wrong person and they fixed it. But because I'm nosy, of course, I like scrolled down and I was like, what is this about? Because what happened was the email that we got CC'd on was like, LOL, I knew she would do that. I told her not to do that. And I was like, <laughs> told you not to do what? I'm totally so, I, so I scrolled down and it had to do with this whole thing about like someone asked, a, it was supposed to be something innocent. Someone asked a question about something. It got escalated. It got escalated to another person and then HR got involved and then legal got involved. Oh my God. And I was like, the whole, con you know, I'm not the only oh, one that scrolled down to see what happened. Oh, of I course know I, I do think that could be, I, I don't know. It depends on how your email is set up, but I just know I've been on plenty of email chains or someone has hit reply all. So I've seen way more messages than I should have. Or, and this is, and I know this sounds like so crazy to bring up, but like I literally have just worked on a project where you have multiple departments emailing nonstop because you're not having Zoom meetings or things are happening on different sides of the country. You know, like I'm working on a project where I had two editors that were literally in California and I'm not in California. Um, or there was a moment like my entire staff, I was in Georgia, one was in Jersey, another was in Connecticut, like, and then somebody else was in New, uh, Queens, like, well, New York. So like we were all over the place um, working on this project. So like you're emailing so many different people. And so conversations, and I've had to learn this being a director too, certain conversations are not for everyone or are not for everyone right away. Because yeah. like there have been times where I've gotten emails from my boss, like the artistic directors of a whole theater company discussing things that they want to happen, but I haven't told my staff yet, let alone how I'm gonna tell my kids yet. So if the email, if I, you know, I randomly respond back to my boss and it goes out to my MD and now my MD is like, so we just got a major budget cut or like we can't cast this kid because of what? You know, now we're caught in this, all this extra stuff. Um, so be mindful of that. Or also, especially when you're submitting videos, you, when you're submitting to auditions, not just videos, because it's headshots and emails too, you don't know who up the ladder is going to see that email. Yeah. So I've seen it where people have gone, have been very rude to the monitor, or honestly, it's usually like an intern or an assistant, the intern or the assistant that's like dealing the casting emails or setting up auditions. I've seen some really nasty emails where they're like, you know, the time slot has been moved or we had to adjust times or I've seen like people get really nasty with the person that's doing that email. And then when it gets to us on the autistic table, we're like, oh, you can respond back and tell them that, no, thank you. We've, we've seen all, we yeah. don't need to see them. Or I even have seen the opposite happen where someone who was like the assistant wrote a nasty email to the yeah. client and um, the client turned around and said, well, I'm, I'm going to CC, I'm going to CC mm -hmm. your boss on this. Yep. Because yeah, you have that like, one. You know, and then that also like causes a whole thing. So yeah, I just it's one of those things of like it's for the internet is forever. And the again, you're talking to and that's something I, I don't want people to forget in this age of like the industry's gone more online and more virtual. You're still dealing with people on the other side of these emails, you're still dealing with people on their side of these videos. So 
you want to put your best foot forward and not not don't embarrass yourself you know I know that sounds crazy but like you still want to embarrass yourself you know yeah true so that brings us to our next portion which is tip of the week um and this section is really we just love sharing tips and advice to kind of help you guys um for me if you see a teacher thank a teacher if you see a teacher hug a teacher don't hug them we're quarantining um hug air hug them but i um my high school is off and on back several new york cities are getting closed again so some things are remote again some things are in person again it is like understand that we teachers are doing absolutely everything we can to give our students a great education and we are fighting so on so many different fronts we're fighting major budget cuts because i can let you know this from me and daniel both budget cuts have happened across the entire country so the entire united states has educational budget cuts and that has affected people in numerous different ways several like i said i can let you guys know i lost two people in my department our finance department lost two teachers so that tripled my class load so i went from having 20-ish kids so like I'm teaching 40 kids now all at one time yay so like budget cuts are things we're also dealing with an administration uh administration like at our schools not political but like our administrators at our schools getting changing information daily like the department Mm -hmm. of education is constantly changing what we can and can't do what will suffice like and I work with high school kids so like the rules and stipulation of getting them the credits that they need to go to college or to get their diplomas are like like daily changing so i just say like know that like we teachers are working very hard and just say thank you a thank you email if you're not you know you're not seeing them in person or at the end of a long zoom session at the end of a class you could just come in and wave and say a thank you like I, I take it from me, it warms your heart to get, you know, out of the billions of emails to get, you know, I got emails from a couple of my students being like, we're glad to see you after a long summer or after such a crazy summer, you know, it goes a long way. Cause trust me, we teachers are going through it over here. Yeah, I would say the same thing. And just recognizing like, I want to shout out the teachers who are making what is now this like new vocabulary term that I'd never heard before fall 2020, but asynchronous lessons, which I think a lot of, a lot of schools are still doing. And a lot of even like um, dance studios are just like doing asynchronous, like they'll record something and post it for you to learn. So asynchronous basically means like not in real time, not live. And those are harder than even teaching live over zoom. So just like give everyone a little, grace and a little bit of break Mm -hmm. um and like you know I had so many things just in my like personal school schedule shift this week that have made me be like I don't know what I'm supposed to do on Tuesday so just like remembering that like we're all going through it together so yeah I mean there'll be a time where we're back and we're ready and we're like going for it but we're giving our kids grace so let's give the adults some grace too absolutely it's just, it's just not, again, we're doing all that we can and we're evolving and growing with you guys as we do this. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed on this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. Episodes come out every Thursday. You can find us on your favorite podcast apps. 
Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We are Point PYT on all platforms. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Neil Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of an NYC.